chapter 7, verse 11. If you're ready, somebody say, yeah. Yeah. Now it happened. Look at your neighbor and say, what happened? What happened? What happened? What happened? What happened? It happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him and there was a large crowd. When he came near the gate of this city, behold, a dead man was being carried out. What dead thing did you carry in a church tonight? What dead hope, what dead dream, what dead prayer, what dead relationship. It's amazing how something can die and we still carry it. So the dead man was being carried out, and this dead man was the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. It's one thing if it's your first loss. Your first loss hurts. It's the second and the third and the fourth that after a while you just become numb. You know, some people are embarrassed when they cry and they're always t- dabbing their face and they'll say like, I don't, I, don't, I don't mean to cry, forgive me for crying. At least you still have tears to cry. Because there's so many people that are not on their first loss or their second loss and they've said, I have no more tears to cry. Not only did she bury her husband, but now she was burying her only son. It says that a large crowd from the city was with her, and when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up. And began to speak. What did he say? There's certain things that the Bible doesn't tell us. We're not going to know until we get to. I want to know. Bro, you were dead. Like dead, dead. They were carrying you out. What's the first thing you say when you ain't dead no more? And Jesus presented him to his mother. Then fear came upon all. And I always want to clarify, it's not being afraid of God. It's, that word fear means reverence. Another word would be a holy awe, a shock of, wow, we didn't know he had it like that. A fear came upon all the people and they glorified God saying, a great prophet has risen up among us and God has visited his people. And this report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding regions. I've got a message for you tonight on day 20 of 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's not so much a message title 
as it is a prophetic word from God. And the message today is entitled, The Funeral is Canceled. The Funeral is Canceled. Can you, can you do me a favor so we just start this thing right? Can you hop up on your feet? Can you touch about five different people and tell them, The Funeral is Canceled. The Funeral is Canceled. The Funeral is Canceled. That, that dream that you were getting ready to bury, that, that hope that you had given up on, that, that personality that you thought was dead, that, that joy that you haven't seen in a while. Can you touch about five people and tell them, God told me to tell you that the funeral is canceled. Put those flowers away. Tell the pallbearers we don't need you today. You can close that hymn book. Ain't no funeral happening today. Three more people, find three more people and tell them the funeral is canceled. The funeral is canceled. The funeral is canceled. Hey! What you're not gonna do is have me praying and fasting for 20 days and act like God's not gonna say something. Somebody shout the funeral is canceled. Father God, we're grateful. God, we're thankful. That every dead thing is coming alive because this is revival. Revival is the cancellation of funerals. Speak as only you can. In Jesus' name. Amen. Sit down. This text in Luke chapter 7 catches us on a heart-wrenching scene. You have this man that the Bible is clear to say ain't a kid no more. It's a grown man. They've wrapped him in grave clothes. They they put him in a coffin. I'm not exactly sure why the coffin was open, but it could possibly indicate that it was open because they could not afford the types of coffins that were embellished and designed and fit to honor somebody who had passed away. There were pallbearers that were carrying this coffin. There was a procession of mourners and people crying and behind it all there was a mother a mother getting ready to bury her son there is an inseparable bond between a mother and her son some of y'all would call it a mama's boy and I would say and what It's not that a father and a son don't have a great relationship. The father and son relationship is just different than the mother and son relationship. You see, for a little boy, his father is his hero. His father is the one that he emulates. His father is the one that he watches and studies to see, am I measuring up because dad is the standard. 
It's the father that the boy comes up to and say, Dad, is it time to shave yet? Because you've got facial hair and I've got, Dad, look at my arm. Do I got hair under my arm yet? It's a father that when that father says, I'm proud of you, that little boy's chest goes, I'm somebody. It's the father that when that father says, don't forget what your last name is. Don't, don't forget who you come from. That boy has this weight of, I can't let the family name down. That father-son relationship, that's where affirmation comes from. Hear me, when your dad tells you you did well, it don't matter what anybody else says. What am I saying? I'm saying that the father-son relationship is irreplaceable as well. But it's not the same, not better. It's just not the same as a mother-son relationship. You see, when my dad is my hero, it's difficult for me to just relax around him. Many of you may have experienced this when you were around a, a man, a father figure that you respected. You may have found it difficult to be yourself because you have this pressure of, I don't want to let them down. Do you know the level of security it takes to be yourself around a father? But that mother-son relationship, that's, that's different. You see, that's the first person in my life I ever wanted to protect. I didn't even know that as a man, God put the innate desire to protect in me until I got around my mother and my dad said, watch your mother while I'm gone. And all of a sudden I realized this is the first person I would die for. It's that mother-son relationship where the son for the first time says, man, if I get She's going to have. You, you ever watched an NFL or NBA or whatever it may be when they're out there and they walk across that stage and with the 13th draft pick, so-and-so goes to Charlotte Hornets. And they pull him on the side and say, young man, you got a whole lot of money. What are you about to do? What does he say? <laughs> I'm going to buy my mama a house. Doesn't mean dad can't live in the house. It's the first person I ever got around that I was willing to live with less so that they could have. It's my mama that showed me I'm a protector, I'm a provider. It's my mama's. The first person I ever said, man, I think I want to be a doctor. I think I want to be a teacher, a preacher, a poly. For a young man, his mama's the first person that he shares his dream with. So some of y'all are like, oh, this is a problem. This sounds like a mama's boy. It's only a problem if she's the last person. <laughs> but she'll forever be... The first person. There's an inseparable bond between a mother and a son, but it's not just the way that the son idolizes his mother. It's the way that the mother sees that son. You've got to understand, she carried this boy for 10 months. 
10 months of not just I'm excited to give birth, but 10 months of I wonder what he will become. 10 months of will he look like me or will he look like his dad? What will he sound like? What will be his gifts, his talents, his abilities? Will, will he be an artist? Will he be a singer, a musician, a leader, a community? What will he become? And after you give birth, there's the night after night of tucking him into bed, watching him sleep, whispering prayers of God. I don't know what you're going to do, but do something great. The Bible says that different people would come in contact with Mary and they would say, don't you know that your boy Jesus is the Messiah? Don't you know that he's the chosen one? And here's what the Bible, it says that Mary would cherish their words in her heart. Just kind of put them in a lockbox of, I don't know what this boy is going to become. But based on everyone is saying, I think I've got something special. I think I've got something great. I think I've got a world changer. Now, if you are not a mother of a son, we can only understand to a certain extent. But my question or my thought for you this evening is not, are you the mother of a son? As much as it is, have you ever carried anything before? I'm not talking about carrying grocery bags. I'm not talking about picking somebody up as you're goofing around. Um, have you ever carried a dream? H have you ever carried a hope, carried a picture, car carried an aspiration of this is what I think my future is going to look like. And for all the women in the room that have carried a human for 10 months, please do not feel disrespected, dishonored. I do not in the least bit pretend to understand what it's like to give birth. However, you would allow me a little bit of preaching liberty, I'd like to submit to you that carrying a dream is pretty uncomfortable. It's awkward. You, you, you ever had a dream before? And you weren't quite sure where I can talk about it. Because if I bring this dream up in the wrong room, the toxic negativity could actually abort the dream before it ever comes to fruition. I've got to be careful where I bring this up because if I bring it up in the wrong crowd, there are people that feel like they're anointed by God, not realizing they're sent by Satan. To try to cut short what God has spoken to me before it even comes to pass. This ain't my message, but just hear me preach for a second. Be very careful where you share your dreams because not everybody can handle what God's laid on your heart. 
And just like Pharaoh said, bring all the two-year-old boys and throw them in the river because he saw it as a threat to his power. Some people see dreamers as a threat to who they are because they've lost their dream for themselves. Have you ever carried something? Carried a dream, carried a hope, carried a confidence. Because unless you've carried something, you can never truly understand the pain, the anguish of burying something that you carried. My first question is, have you ever carried something? My second question is, have you ever buried something? We're going to preach this in a second. We're going to shout. We're going to scream. We're going to go nuts. We're going to make Sean stop playing the piano in a second because it's making all of us sad. But before we do that, I've got to get you into the right place because if you've never carried anything, then burying something is no big deal. Unfortunately, I have been to far too many funerals of loved ones in my life. And you know, when you get out to the burial site, you, you sit there and you pray the prayers. Okay, let's make it funny. Anybody seen that Instagram video where they're holding the little white dove and they're planning on throwing the dove up at the end of the prayer and the preacher squeezes the dove too tight. And when he throws it up, the thing, they go, Look it up. It's hilarious. Probably should take the dove, throw it in the hole with the rest of them. That's disrespectful, huh? We're going down here. Give me the music again. Let me get it. But if you've ever been at the burial site, you know you have the pastor and he's reading a psalm sometimes or singing a song or whatever it may be and someone may take a flower or a rose and drop it in and then they begin to let the casket down and it, you, 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 you guys know me by now, I'm a little pixelated so I've been at these funeral sites and I'll sing the song and I'll read the verse and I'll just start looking around. And sometimes you'll notice there's two or three gentlemen in the corner with shovels leaning on the shovel scrolling Instagram, weeping, heartbroken all around. They just, <laughs> they're the grave diggers. All they do all day long is put dirt on dead bodies. It's easy to bury something that you never carried. It's easy to say this ain't the first thing I buried and it won't be the last. But when you've carried it yourself, when you dreamed about that business, you planned that business, you whiteboarded that business, you've got notes in your phone about that business, then you launched the business, you introduced the business, you grew the business, and now you've got to bury the business. Have you ever carried anything? Have you ever buried anything? Because if you've never carried something, you've never buried something, I'd like to submit to you, you've never lived. Because life isn't a multiplication of inhales and exhales. 
Life is a one step after another. I'm walking in purpose. I'm walking in destiny. I'm heading towards the purpose that God placed me here on earth for. And sometimes it looks like that purpose is alive. And sometimes it looks like I think this one is going in the ground. One more time. Have you ever carried something? Have you ever buried something? I've got three quick points, three quick points and I like to preach messages that apply to everybody, but I ain't gonna hold you. Today is only for people that have buried a dream before. And God sent me to tell you the first thought is this. Today is my day. Today is my day of interruption. Today is the day that as you're marching to that gravesite, getting ready to bury that marriage, bury that business, bury that dream, bury that hope, bury that confidence. But I believe God is going to interrupt some people tonight and say, before you throw some dirt on that coffin, would you allow me to intervene if you believe it? Even before I preach it, can you just take about 10 seconds and say, amen. Say, God, I believe it. Say, God, I receive it. Thanks, Sean. It says, on this day, Jesus was walking into the city of Nain, and he just happened to run into a funeral procession. And it says, as he saw the funeral procession, can I add a little bit? He kept walking until he locked eyes with the mother. The Bible didn't say that Jesus saw a dead body and had compassion. It wasn't death that moved God. It was the broken heart of a mother that it says it broke Jesus's heart. And he reached out and he grabbed the casket. Here, 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 here's just a thought. How many funerals did Jesus walk by and do nothing? As I was preparing this message and God gave me this word, I said, man, I, Jesus, he, he, he raises the dead. He came back from the dead himself. Surely Jesus must have raised the dead almost every other chapter. Because there's a lot of dead folks. So I started reading through Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. You know how many people Jesus raised from the dead in three years of ministry? Three people. It's 365 days a year. Three times 365. That's about a thousand days. Give or take a couple of days. All you mathematicians leave me alone. That's an average of one resurrection every 365 days. That's a bad ratio. Think about how many grave sites Jesus walked by and did nothing. Think about how many funeral processions he walked by and kept walking. 
Three people raised from the dead after funeral, after funeral, after funeral, after funeral. And Jesus said, no, this one needs to be raised. The rest I'm going to leave alone. Can I just make you scream and shout just for a second? And then I'll preach the rest of this. I'm preparing this message. And I said, God, you walk by so many funerals. How come you only raise these three? And I feel like the Holy Spirit said, because some things need to die. That's not what you were expecting, is it? Hear me. We talk about a resurrecting God, a God that raises things from the dead. He raises things from the dead, but he doesn't raise everything from the dead. He only raises the things that he has a purpose for. And some of the things that we're trying to keep alive, God says, no, you need to go ahead and let that die. Some of us think that we have dreams that have died and we're mourning as if we buried a dream. And God said, no, dreams come from me. Fantasies come from your imagination and you've got the emotional responses if you buried a dream from God but you really just buried a fantasy that you made up in your mind somebody say let it die 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 it's not where you thought I was going but I'm having a whole lot of fun right now some of y'all are mourning some relationships and saying wow in the world God I thought that was my future I thought that was what you had for me no it's what you had for you it's not what God had for you and you're wondering why he hasn't resurrected it because he wasn't in it in the first place. He walked by that funeral possession and he said, I'm so glad that died because it was not heading in the right direction. We serve a God that is selective in what he resurrects. Should I keep going? Some of y'all are like, I've lost myself every time I since I got married and ever since I had these kids and every time I did this and did that, I used to be more confident and I used to be more fun and I used to be more assertive. And God says, no, 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 no. That's a personality that had nothing to do with me. You need to let that stay right in the grave that I put it in. Not everything needs to come back to life. Some things... Can you elbow your neighbor and say, let it die, let it die, let it die, let it die, let it die. Don't, don't get it twisted. We serve a resurrected Lord, but there are some things that need to die. There's some old personalities. There's some old propensities. There's some old fantasies. There's some old aspirations. If I can use a big word, there's some old proclivities that God says it is time to let that die. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. All things have become new. That's why Paul said it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And this life that I now live, I live through Jesus Christ. What was Paul saying? He was saying the murderer is dead in me. The racist is dead in me. The judgmental is dead in me. Don't get it twisted. Death ain't all bad. There's certain things. But God says, I'm going to let it lay where it is. But there was something about this funeral procession where it says Jesus stopped. And it says he saw this woman and he had compassion for her. Church, you've got to hear me. God sees you. And sometimes when we get in church and we hear God sees us, we feel exposed because like, oh, he sees. 
And if he sees, he sees what I text and he sees what I say and he sees what I do. And, and it's because you've got a picture of a judgmental God in your mind. But that is not the God that we're talking about. We're talking about the Psalm 34 guy who said the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears open to their cry. Verse 18, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. It reminds me of Psalm 51, 17. It says the sacrifice you desire, Lord, is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and a repentant heart. Oh God, hear me. God sees you. God sees you not to judge you. God sees you not to be disgusted with you. God sees you not to say, hey, you can do better. But he sees the brokenness of your heart. And hear me, it moves him. You ever felt like, does God even care? Does he care that I'm broken over this situation having not turned yet? Does he care that my heart hurts, the fact that my loved one doesn't know Christ yet? Well, he sent me to let you know he cares and he sees and he cares so much that he made a decision. I'm going to interrupt this funeral. Here's what the Bible says. It says he saw the woman and he decided and it says he grabbed the casket. Do you know that the Bible says it is illegal for a priest to touch a dead body. The fact that he was the righteous priest of God, he was not allowed to grab a casket. The problem is those pallbearers had never seen the dead raised before. Even though Jesus raised three people from the dead, this young man was the first. They just figured if we keep walking, the crowd should get out of the way. And look what the Bible says. It says when he grabbed the coffin, then they stood still and said, what in the world is about to happen? You serve a God that loves you and sees you so keenly that he is willing to break the rules just to meet you where you are. Second thing is this. Write this down. Write this down. Dead things, dead things, dead things speak when spoken to. Anybody, anybody, anybody you ever, you ever heard, heard that from, from a parent before? Listen, you speak when you're spoken to. Come on now, any of y'all got real crazy one day? And your daddy called you? And you said, huh? Makes you nervous, just... Flashbacks. I don't know if PTSD can be applied to butt whoopings, but if it can, that just took me to a place. Your mama said, hey, you said, huh? No, 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 no. When I speak, not only do you speak, you speak while you're running. Luke 17, 14 says this. Then he came and touched the open coffin, coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak. And Jesus presented him to his mother. One of, of the most annoying things. I got a lot of annoying things about my kids. One of the most annoying things about my kids 
is the rare three times a year when I actually get to take a nap during the day. Y'all go home from church and y'all be posting, oh, ain't nothing like a Sunday nap. I don't even know what a Sunday nap is. So I've got three kids and they don't care how many services we had. When daddy comes home, it's time to play. Three times a year, it's just, I'm passed out. And it's, it's all three of them. One of them will come, climb into my bed. I'm in my bed. How'd you even get in my room? They'll say, daddy. Daddy, are you asleep? <laughs> what you want me to say? Because if I say yes, you're going to realize I'm not asleep. Da Daddy, Daddy, are you awake? And then the two-year-old, the oldest two, they know I'll, I'll whoop them. So they, the, the, the two-year-old two -year ain't that bright, so she'll climb up. And if I'll pretend like she'll grab my eyelids. <laughs> daddy, daddy, wake, daddy, wake. <laughs> if I was asleep, the fact that you're speaking to me means that I am no longer. Do you know the way you talk to dead things determine whether they stay dead? Because dead things were trained to speak when spoken to. And a lot of us don't realize that life and death is in the power of our tongue. So we don't speak to dead things, we speak about dead things. Let me tell you how my business ain't working out. Let me tell you how this relationship is going to pot. Let me tell you how I'm struggling. How about you stop talking about it and start talking to it? Because you're going to realize if you talk to it, it was trained to talk back to you. It makes me think of a man by the name of Abraham. When it came to Abraham not being able to have a child and his wife being beyond the age where she could give birth, here's what the Bible says in Romans 4.17. It says, he believed God. When y'all started saying, I still believe, I almost screamed. I said, they singing my message. It says, Abram believed God. He believed in a God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they do. I have a question for you. Do you believe in God? Yes. No, not that God. I'm talking about the God that says things that are not. Do you believe in the God that calls dead things and sees them come back to life? Because if you believe in that type of God, your vocabulary will reflect it. There's a man in the Bible by the name of Jacob. Jacob's sons kidnapped one of their brothers, sold him into slavery, but they lied to their father and told their father that he was dead. And Jacob said, surely a wild animal has ripped my son to shreds. And all of Jacob's words from that moment on was about the death, not to the death. And the Bible says that it literally shortened Jacob's life. Because life and death is in the power of the tongue. And Jacob spoke, chose to speak death instead of life. Then I think about the Shunammite woman. In the book of 2 Kings, it says her son was, here's what blows my mind. Jacob's son wasn't dead. And yet it brought death into his life. 
the Shunammite son was actually dead. She got this dead boy, goes to her husband. He said, I got to go to the prophet. He said, what's wrong? She's got a dead boy, y'all. It is well. She gets to the prophet. Prophet says, are you good? Is your husband good? Is the boy good? Notice she did not say the boy is well. Because faith is not ignoring reality. Some of us have been taught to have faith, I've got to pretend like I don't have eyes. So I'm losing my mind, but I've been trained to say I'm too blessed to be stressed. No, you are blessed and you are stressed. (laughs) Hear me. You don't have to ignore reality to walk in faith. He said, are you well? Is your husband well? Is the boy well? She said, no, no, no. It is well. Ask me if I'm well. No, I'm losing my mind. My son just died. Is your husband well? I don't care. My son just died. Is the boy well? He's not breathing. But it is well because I know that death is not the final sentence on this situation. And the same God who provided for me up to this moment, he could turn this dead situation to life. You know what's wild? This ain't even the story I'm preaching. The prophet said, Gehazi, go raise the boy from the dead. Gehazi ran, spoke over the boy, put a staff over him, and the boy still would not rise. I think that's because God knew that there was greed in Gehazi's heart. And even though he was serving the man of God, he was not walking under the anointing of the man of God. And God says, I don't recognize the authority in your life. I need somebody who actually believes that I am who I say I am. And it says the prophet had to go himself. He spoke to the boy and nothing happened. He stretched himself over the boy, breathed on him. And don't miss this. It didn't work the first time, y'all. He laid on the boy. boy stu- Here's what I think. I think Elisha and God were having a conversation. And it was really Elisha talking to God, saying, bruh, I don't know if you see that woman over there. But what I'm not fitting to do is go back and tell her that I can't raise her son from the dead. I prefer to come see you than have to go deal with her. So if you would heal this boy so I don't have to go deal, because life in your tongue has the way of reversing a situation that looks like it's completely opposite to what God has promised you. Some of you need to learn to begin to speak life over a dead situation. I'm not saying it's not dead. I'm just saying it's not over. I'm not saying it's not bad. I'm just saying it's not over. For I know the God that makes all things work together for my good according to the situation. Some of you haven't spoken to a parent in years and years and years. The relationship is dead and you need to learn to speak life over it. Let me tell you, this is not where it's going to end. I'm telling you, God's going to bring this back together. And when he does, it's going to be better than it was before. What would life look like if we saw death as temporary? It's just a hiccup. I know we're not in the relationship series yet. I got seven days before I get to go loose. (laughs) But I always 
get worried when people are dating and they break up and they're devastated. Watch it color purple. <laughs> Eating ice cream and thin mints. And that's just the guy. More of Why did you bury your future in that relationship? Look at, you, look at your neighbor say, it's a setback. It ain't over. Well, it's over with him. <laughs> you don't get a second shot. Last thing is this, write this down. Canceled funerals start canceling funerals. Sean, I might need you to play on this one. <laughs> so can I teach you how to be a Bible scholar? Ask your Bible questions and make the Holy Spirit answer. I can't tell you how many people read their Bible and don't understand and just close it and say, that was good. Fire well, you don't got a clue what you just read. You know, you see stuff in your Bible you ain't never seen before. Can I tell you something I never seen before? So Jacob had 12 sons. Somebody said 12 sons. But he had those 12 sons through four different women. I don't want to hear the I'm not, I'm not gonna go for the commentary. I'm gonna In seven days. You know, some dummies says, I got to clean it up now that we're here. Some dummies are like, well, the men of God in the Bible had multiple wives, so that must mean that a man wasn't made. You know, no, I know, no, I know not here. None of the dummies here, but dummies out there. That's why you got to know your Bible. Every man in the Word of God that had multiple wives, none of them fulfilled the purpose of God on their life. Don't get it twisted. Not one of them walked fully in all that God had for them. David had multiple wives. Yeah, and David never got to build the temple. God said, because you've got blood on your hands, whose blood was it? Uriah's blood that he killed, not authorized by God just to grab his wife. Yeah, David was a warrior and killed Goliath, but that wasn't the ultimate call of God that he had on his life. David was supposed to build the temple, and he came short of the call. Okay, let's just, just have a little bit of fun. Just a little bit of fun. Just a little bit of fun. Anyway, I'm not going to go where I was going to go. I was just going to tell you that Jacob had 12 sons by four different women. If you remember the story, when it says Joseph came and gave a bad report on his brothers, when you read it, he didn't give a bad report on all 12 of his brothers. He gave a bad report on the two concubines' kids. In other words, him and his younger brothers had a beef, and it spilled out and infected the whole family. Nothing to do with this message. Anyway... Ask your Bible questions, let the Holy Spirit answer. Here's the question I asked the Bible. I said, God, if you were going to raise him from the dead, why'd you let him die in the first place? He is a God that heals, and he is a God that sustains. What does that mean? He can heal you, and he can keep you from getting sick. 
He can raise the dead, but he can keep you alive. Lazarus. They came to him when Lazarus was sick. Lazarus wasn't even dead yet. If he had went when he was sick, he could have healed Lazarus and Lazarus would have never died. And I said, God, why in the world would you allow someone to die and have to raise them from the dead instead of just keeping them alive in the first place? And I feel like the Holy Spirit said, here's why, because only the resurrected can resurrect. And he said, until there's a death, there is no need for resurrection. Let me give you two verses and we're done. John chapter 12, verse 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much strain. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. There is no resurrection without a death taking place first. Matter of fact, God says, I need some stuff to die so it can produce. I know I preached already, let it die. But can I circle that back one more time? Let it die. Some of us are overwhelmed because we're trying to keep something in our life vibrant. I'm fighting for this relationship. Stop. I'm fighting for this business. Stop. Because if God has something for it, it may die and he'll resurrect it back to life. Or sometimes... The litmus test of whether it is God's dream for my life or a fantasy that I came up with is does it come back after it died? Sometimes you just got to let it never forget. It was 2015. Union Church was about to die. This thing hadn't grown in three years and you've heard this story a million times. God, maybe this isn't what you called me to do and I'm trying to figure out how do I shut this thing down? And I know in that moment, in hindsight, God said, it wasn't until it didn't mean anything to you when you were willing to let it die, that I can give it to you and know that it wouldn't become your idol. He said, because if I blew it up when it meant something to you, it would have meant something more to you than my presence meant to you. I had to let you get to the place where you were like, you know what? I don't even want it anymore. I just want God. And God says, now I can give it to you. Last verse, Matthew 27, verse 50 says this. This is talking about Jesus's crucifixion. It says, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn into from top to bottom. It says, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep, elbow your neighbor said, they was dead. Don't get confused with Bible talk. Were raised, and coming out of the graves, Don't miss this phrase. After his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Forgive me. When I told you that Jesus only raised three people from the dead, what I had meant was, is while he was alive. 
but there was actually a mass resurrection when he himself died. The Bible says he hung on the cross. He gave up his spirit. And as he died, it says the earth shook. And it says tombs all over the place split open. Can I just preach some details just for a second? Even though the tomb split open, the dead bodies in the tomb that came alive were not allowed to come out of that tomb until Jesus first came out of his tomb. It gave us the detail to say, after Jesus' resurrection, then all of a sudden the dead bodies started to come out and they went back to their homes and they said, once I was dead and now I was alive, I said, God, why would you let dreams die? God, why would you let hope die? Why would you let confidence die? He said, here's why. Because when somebody has been resurrected themselves, resurrections start passing out and popping up all around you. Some of you have been crying and mourning and saying, God, why, if it was going to work out in the end, why did you let me go through this? And he said, because the resurrection was not just about you. I had to get you to experience a resurrection so that when you run into a dead situation, you can say, whoa, 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 whoa. I've seen God raise this before. He did it in me and he can do it in you. It's one thing if you've never seen death in your life, you'll look at somebody else's death situation and say, man, I'll pray for you. I hope it works out. But when it's your confidence that was dead, when it's your self-esteem that was buried, and you saw God rebuild you and put your head back up and put your sh- when you come around somebody who's lost their confidence, you're able to say, baby, let me tell you something. He did it for me, and he can do it for you again. When you've had a relationship that you buried and gave up on and God brought it back to life and you run into somebody else you're able to say I know you're crying I know you're weeping I know you don't got a lot of hope right now but just let me tell you there's enough resurrection on me that is going to bring you back to life because you're just in my presence how many people can testify I've seen God bring things back to life around me and I got enough faith not just for me but I got enough faith for my whole row I'm not just talking about my dreams. Every dream on this road, I decree and declare that you are coming back to life. I'm not just talking about me. Every relationship that's ordained by God, I decree and declare that it's coming back to life. Union Church, I put you on notice. This is a church under revival. What does revival mean? Revival means that the funeral is canceled and there is not one dead situation that is going to walk through these doors. 2024 that God is not able to bring back to life. If you've experienced the resurrection power of God, can you find about five people and say he's bringing it back to life. 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 He's bringing it back. Ain't no dead things on my watch. Ain't no dead things on my watch. Ain't no dead things on my watch. I'm sorry, I've seen too much. I've seen people not in their right mind and God put them right back in the way. I've seen too much. I've seen too much. I've seen people where the doctor said, go ahead and make the funeral arrangements. There's no coming out of this. And they stood up out of that hospital bed and walked out. How many of you have seen too much? 
I believe your word is true. There's so much I can do. I believe you said it in your word that settles it in the earth. When you know you serve a resurrected king, it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. And God sent me for somebody this evening to say this situation is not going to end in death. It may look like death right now, but that just means it's the perfect moment for the resurrection and the life. He said, move the stone out the way. I'm about to bring Lazarus out. He had been dead so long, they didn't even want him raised. He said, no, leave him in there. He stinks. God says, I'm a God that brings stinky situations back to life. There's some situations you've given up hope on. You prayed your last prayer two years ago. If it's dead, it's not done. Because we serve a God that calls things that are not as though they are. They look at dead situations and he brings them back to life where you are. Can you lift your hands? What's the chorus of that last song we were singing? House of Miracles, House of Miracles. Come, it was something about come alive. Yeah, we, we coming alive. Come, come on over here, come over here. represented God watching in this moment God we speak life over people's bodies 
We speak life, God, over their faith. God, we speak life over families, over relationships. God, over dreams. God, visions that you gave years, if not decades ago. God, if you said it, we believe it, and it settles it here in the earth. And we decree and declare that all the promises of God are yes and amen, and they will come to pass. And God, we will not rescind our faith until we see you do it in our lives. We give you the glory, we give you the honor, and we give you the praise. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray.